Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. Our biggest problem is that we think we should not have any problems. Denying that was making me weaker and no stronger. It gives you more control of, okay, this is how I feel and I know why I feel like this. And when I know what I feel and why I feel, then I can actually change it. Being a good person or being kind and generous doesn't mean that you let people take advantage of you and that makes you a good person. Because when you feel grateful, there is no space for anger. There is no space for sadness. Sylvia's biggest passion is showing people how their emotional pain, their challenges, and their struggles contribute to their growth. As a young girl, she was growing up in a destructive environment which carried violence, drugs, and alcohol abuse in different forms. After she completed her bachelor's degree, she knew that she needed some massive change, something crazy and life-transforming. At the age of 22, Sylvia grabbed her suitcase and moved to the U.S. with $500 in her pocket and a dream in her heart. She was obsessed with changing her life and helping her family and her country. Even when she struggled at the beginning and was far away from what we call the American dream, she knew that life isn't only black and white, and if she can fix her mindset and see the world differently, she can change her life. She started to educate herself, she read a lot, and she studied her own behavior. One question which triggered her mind more than anything else was, how can we handle pain and struggle better and thrive in life in spite of challenges? About two and a half years ago, she launched her blog, Courage Within You, where she was sharing her stories, experience, and knowledge with others. She knew that she found a lot of support in reading and learning from different self-development giants, so she decided to do the same. After two years of blogging, she self-published her first book, Courage Within You, and is now in the process of building her own coaching business. I met Sylvia when she reached out to me to be on the podcast. She said she had found me on iTunes, and again, I'm so thankful that you are rating and reviewing the podcast because it helps me to find amazing people like Sylvia. I enjoyed sharing a camaraderie with Sylvia, especially on the topic of vulnerability as it relates to courage. I know it's been a big part of my path to share myself openly and honestly, and I think it can oftentimes be the most helpful thing you can do for yourself. I feel a kinship with Sylvia for the path she's on and the mindset she's developed on her personal path of purpose. Her power is so apparent and her story is so relatable and beautiful. Sometimes she comes with such force and other times with such softness. I think she can connect with anyone who gives her and her story the attention it deserves. I cannot recommend enough that you listen intently to what she has to say in this powerful interview. So here is this week's person of purpose, Sylvia Toronova. Hello, Sylvia. Hey, what's up? Good to see you. Nice to meet you. You're in Florida right now, and I'm in Thailand, both some warm places. So you reached out to me about being on the podcast. Right. Yeah, tell me a little bit about why you thought that you would be a good candidate for the podcast. You know what? I actually found you on iTunes. So I was like checking, you know, I always read like the description, like what the podcast is about and what it focuses on. And I really liked the idea that you, you know, you gather different people out on your podcast and everyone share how they found their purpose or what do they do? Because I think that 
finding your purpose and really doing something what you love and you believe you were meant to do that, like, I think that's one of the best things in the world, like very fulfilling and very satisfying. So when I found it, when I found your podcast, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's something where I can bring a little bit of a value. So whoever is listening to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much. It seems like we do have a lot of the same um, focuses. So the header of your website says, your pain is your personal power. Ditch your pain and live up to your purpose. What's your story of how you discovered that pain can be transformed into power? And then how did that lead you to find your purpose? Yeah, you know, it. there are probably two uh, like uh, times in my life when I was a child, when I was growing up. And I came from a a very dramatic family. <laughs> so uh, there was a, you know, a lot of drama and alcohol issues, abuse, whole different things, which I know a lot of people, whoever is even listening to this are dealing with this. So that was probably the first time in my life, which I marked as a painful. And then it was when I was growing up and I came to the United States, which was six years ago. And, you know, I was trying to kind of create a better life and it turned out to be the complete opposite, probably the first three years to four years where I struggled financially and even in my personal life. Three years ago was the time when I actually created my blog Courage Within You. And I remember the day I was unemployed at that time. My personal life, it was... (laughs) It was on a level zero. And I remember I was home alone. I had no money to go anywhere. I had nothing to do because I was still actually waiting for my papers. I'm an immigrant. And I was thinking like, what am I supposed to do? This sucks. Okay, this is not working here. What am I supposed to do in my life? And I brainstormed that idea about the pain for quite some time. But then I understood because for a lot of years, I lived in that victim mentality. You know, I'm a victim. This is happening to me. You know, why is this happening to me? And I never got any different results because we all are dealing with struggles, with hardships, pains in life, you know, and Tony Robbins said one, is there a quote from him when he says that our biggest problem is that we think we should not have any problems. And that's exactly (laughs) the problem, you know, I really started thinking about it like, how can I use all my past, you know, which was catching up on me? I always thought about it. I was, I couldn't forgive. I couldn't let it go. And even my present situation, which look horrible at that time. And this is really where I start to work with this idea. How can I turn my pain into power? And there was the time also when I started to discover my purpose. This is when I created the website Courage Within You because I said to myself, you know what? I'm going through some stuff and I often turn to, you know, motivational videos or books, something what supports me from the inside. So that's why I created Courage Within You because I said maybe I can do the same for other people who struggle. And maybe one sentence or one blog post can change someone's situation or help them understand better. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you go a little bit more into what your mindset was like before and what made you stuck? And then how did you go from being stuck and hopeless to being hopeful? How did you make that transition in your mind? The whole idea for me was to change my perspective on pain. Because when I talk about sometimes with people about changing perspective, it's not about denying the pain. You know, when you open the fridge and there is no food to eat, the pain is real. When you can't pay the light bill because you have no money, the pain is real. Mm-hmm. It's just about taking that experience and trying not to feel like the victim 
and asking yourself why this has to happen to me. It's about changing the perspective and ask yourself what's in it for me. And that exactly this one question when I ask myself, what's in it for me? What's in this pain, in this struggle, in this event? That's exactly what helped me to understand that this is your purpose, that whatever you've experienced, what many people in the world can relate to, this is exactly where you use it. I can give them the hand or give them the advice or tell them, you know what? I've been there. I completely understand where you are. You know, I'll practice empathy with this person, but I tell them, I'll pause that. Let me help you out. That's why I say that turn your pain into power. Like find whatever that pain is supposed to serve in your life or the future. Yeah, that's awesome. So you transform your relationship with pain from a negative one where you were trying to avoid it or not pay any attention to it to where you find the benefits of it. Yeah, I transformed that relationship with pain. Exactly. So can you can you go into like your first understandings of that? Was there a certain moment or experience in the beginning that helped convince you that that was true? It goes back to my childhood when my mom was a very heavy alcoholic and she drank a lot. There was a time when she divorced my dad. We didn't have money, you know, to eat and stuff like that. So even when I didn't understand before, when I was growing up, I became very hard working. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen anymore. I was living like this as a child. But now when I can make a decision, I'm not going to live like that. So I believe it transformed into being hard worker. It transformed into be having that empathy for people who struggle. Mm-hmm. It transformed into doing anything and everything I can to help my mom because still I have to help her every month when it comes to finances. So this is something and it drives me. It's not a burden. It drives me. So I think that that's where the that power in my pain is. So it goes really back to my childhood. I think those first thing when I started to realize that because those were the most painful, I would say before. Yeah. So what country were you leaving? And you said your parents are still there in your country? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, my mom is there. My brother, too. And I came to the United States alone. No one came with me. Why did you decide to do that? When I finished my bachelor's degree in my country, it was all nice and I do love my country, but I just did not feel that I'm going to be able to take care of myself and my mother from there. I also wanted to come here. It wasn't just like a, only a sacrifice. Like I really don't want to go there, but I have to. I liked Florida because I was here once before for a few months when I was studying English to improve my language. But it was also because I saw more opportunities here where I can not just take care of myself, but my mom as well. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. That takes a lot of courage. You are really an example of someone. I hope that inspire people. Can you take us a little bit into the experience of being an immigrant and how has pain from your past helped you to be more successful at the you know, immigration process and becoming part of a new culture and new mindset of living? I have a pretty good experience as an immigrant. I mean, it's tough. It certainly is tough because of the, the process with papers. For whoever is immigrant, anyone knows when you come and you have to, you know, it's the different restrictions. You can or cannot do this. Now it's better because I have a green card. But before at the beginning, when I was going through cultural visa, then I went through student visa and it was always different type of visa. So that was definitely challenging. Also, because you can't always work depending on a permission. But that's probably the challenge. Not like when it comes to people, I have a really good experience. Like um, I feel really comfortable. I don't feel like I am an outsider or anything like that because I'm an immigrant. People more are like, you know, like, oh, you're from Eastern European. So for them, it's like, cool. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you also talk about vulnerability as part of your message. And I really like that because I think that that's been a big part of, of my um, my development recently, I think, is when you share your story with others in a very honest way, I think it does give you a good sense of strength and it gets you out of your own head and, and your problems can be become something others can examine with you. Um, so what's a time that you first understood that vulnerability can be utilized to be a strength? Oh, boy, this is such a good question. Listen, it just happened last year, for real. Like, first, I was literally ashamed to admit that because I was like, okay, you should not say that. And I'm like, you know what, whatever. My problem with all this pain idea and everything was that I have to be tough. The good thing was that I use pain as power. But over those years, when I started to work in early age, and I knew I have to take care of myself, I grew up with the mindset that what you don't do yourself is not going to happen. Don't count on anybody, trust yourself, do things yourself. So I grew up like a tough cookie, I call it like a tough cookie, like I'm just tough and tough and tough. And this exactly last year, it was going on for like a few years for me. When I was noticing that strength I wanted to possess so much, it wasn't really working always. And I noticed it on being very angry or having like a, I call it like a mild mental breakdown when you just burst out and you don't know really what happened. And those were for me signs. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, you know, striving to be this tough woman. Like it was for me so important to even prove it to the world that I'm tough. I hope everyone see it. That I started to realize that something is missing in that concept. I felt like I'm teaching about all those stuff and I'm sharing it with people and people like it, but I'm like, something is missing. I am not being totally honest. That's what I thought, but I didn't know what's going on. So last year I discovered Brenna Brown. I don't know if you know her. She called herself a shame researcher and a storyteller. And I started to like, first I watched her videos. Then I grabbed her food, one of her books, The Gifts of Imperfection. And I kind of started to dive deep into her research and everything. And I'm like, vulnerability, she's talking about vulnerability. Like, though it's okay. I'm like, tough people don't do that. Like, there was my limiting mindset back then, which now when I look back, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you shouldn't even say that anywhere, but I'm like, whatever. So I studied her work because it became really interesting for me, especially because she was talking about vulnerability. And I started to understand that I am freaking scared only of the word, not even to admit. So I really dig deep down and I just understood one thing. Being tough 24-7 or always pretend that we're tough, that really is not a toughness. That's a mask on our face. That was mask on my face. And exactly denying that vulnerability, that sometimes I am vulnerable. Yes, I may feel weak, you know. Denying that was making me weaker and no stronger. And that was my problem. That's why I did not feel it 100%. And I felt like I'm lying to myself sometimes, but I didn't really understand what's going on. So that's why I started to study her work, vulnerability, what it means, you know, how I can embrace it. And I just actually admit that, you know what, vulnerability is strength. I really, really agree with that. So I want to ask a little bit more about some of those other influential teachers. You said Brene Brown was one. Who else kind of came into your life the past few years that has really shaped a lot of how to develop your inner wisdom and find this courage within to come into your purpose? Well, one was Brenna Brown, definitely a big one. And then Tony Robbins. I kind of start with him when like, I started to read personal development books, when I really dive into that. 
three years ago, four years ago, fully. Yeah, so the other person was Tony Robbins. I read his books and, and actually that concept of pain I got from the book, the first book I read from him, which was Awaken the Giant Within. Mm-hmm. He gives that comparison of pain and pleasure and how pain can motivate you because before pain was for me, again, just a big scary word where no one talks about it. We don't talk about pain. All is about being positive, happy, smiling, joyful, you know? And then when I read his book, I started to understand that we have to deal with the dirt <laughs> at first before we actually can move to those happy places, you know? So yeah, he was he was a big one too. Yeah, I really like what he does. Uh, seems like every week I come across something amazing that he says or talks about and yeah, he's very inspiring. I think he spans generations and he's also, uh, he's been an advisor to like Bill Clinton and Oprah and uh, famous like sports players like Serena Williams, Andre Agassi. Uh, it's amazing his influence, but he's also, I think he he shows vulnerability too. He tells about his story. and Exactly. He really embodies this power principle. I know he has this one uh, one morning routine he does called priming where he stands there with like his chest fully out and like a powerful stance and, and just imagines like what he wants out of his day, like some of his goals and how he's going to find that like energy and courage within. He talks about like a rich, positive, a rich energy state compared to a poor energy state um, as being more important than like, you know, having money or not having money. It's, that's the true sense of wealth is your energy state. And he thinks you can prime yourself to be in a high energy state to face any situation. I, I really like that. I, I feel a lot of that in you too, as you're talking about these things. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that that ener- his energy level is crazy. I love that. As you're saying, like... He can do those um, events, I don't know, 12, 15, 17 hours, and he just goes and goes, you know, and delivers like 100%. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think there's a lot anyone could learn from him, no matter what you're doing in your life. I like that recommendation. One other unique aspect I think that that you have that kind of sets you apart from, I don't know how to, an ordinary person, I don't know what to say, is that you seem to understand your emotions at a, a different level than others do. You don't blame others for the way you feel, that you can look within yourself to know how you feel and why you feel that way, and you can begin to to do work on yourself from there rather than having to fix your outside world. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know what? Yes, that's this is a tough one. I, I'll be honest with you. This is a tough one because it's like often the blame, it's like it's in us. And no matter, I guess how much we train ourselves, there is a situation where you want to blame someone else because you want to, you know, you want to bend, you want to put that anger onto someone else and be like, it's your, it's your fault. And now I'm good. I'm clean. I can go, but it makes us powerless. That's why I kind of decided that I want to study my feelings more or take more responsibility for myself and Reader, if I don't like something about someone, I deal with it in a different way where I maybe create a certain boundaries, you know, or I become more selective by the blame game, which I've been involved a lot. (laughs) Of course, you and you and you, it just doesn't work. And especially it makes you feel like you have no control. That's for me. That was for me the biggest pain out of that blaming because I'm like, I have no control or I do I blame, but I cannot change someone else's, you know, behavior or whatever they do or whatever they say. So for me, the part of changing perspective on my pain is also studying my feelings in a way. What do I feel? Like literally I just ask myself, like, what do I feel? 
right now. Just like literally identify the feeling, angry, frustration. I'm upset. You know, I'm disappointed. And then from that point, I ask myself, why do I feel like this? You know, like what's behind that? Like what did it really cause? What someone else did? Or maybe myself, you know, when sometimes we act in a way and then you go back and you, you know, you kind of replay what you did and you're like, oh, that wasn't cool. And you maybe feel shame or you feel guilt, you know? So I kind of started to more identify my feelings as what it is. And I always tell people, write it down. Like this is such a powerful tool to write things down, no matter how simple it sounds or corny. People are like, gosh, I just tell it to myself. I'm good. But really writing it down and identifying what you feel, it gives you more control of, okay, this is how I feel. And I know why I feel like this. And when I know what I feel and why I feel this, then I can actually change it. Because sometimes something happened in the morning and I take it for the whole day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still suck at it. It's still a process, <laughs> you know? And I, and then at the end of the day, when I sit down and I kind of like calm down, I'm like, are you serious? Like, did, was I thinking about this the entire day? And I was just like holding on to that and being angry, like why this happened? And suddenly I realized after 12 hours, you got to be kidding me. You'll have to change that because it's just too much of my energy. <laughs> That's awesome. You know? So yeah, as you're writing down those feelings, as you're examining them, what what is the feeling you feel like you come across when you know for sure that you're living aligned to your purpose? Do you mean like only in those difficult situations or in general, like good? In general, like what is that like peak state feeling that you that you get when you feel like you are living aligned to your purpose? How do you know that this thing that that I feel is truly my purpose, my calling, um, my passion? What feeling it is. I think that one of the most satisfying feelings, the highest for me is that I know that I make a difference or that I change someone's even a day for five minutes. When someone comes and tell me, thank you so much that you did that, this, it made me feel better. Or I think that that's the, yeah, that's the most fulfilling uh, emotion for me to know that I'm actually making a difference, not just you know, like just seeing someone being so grateful, like, oh my gosh, like that really helped. That's probably the most. Cool. That's a good answer. I like that. So it's about making a difference in others to make them feel better. Do you find that as you're coming more into more your sense of personal power over purpose, that you're seeking out situations in which you can make a difference in others to make them feel better? Are there daily occurrences that you're finding where you interact with someone and you experience that? Yes, I do. And also I feel since I've been doing it for about three years, I feel that people come to me and they kind of like expect something else than from someone who is not focusing on this. You know, whoever is watching my videos, even like my friends from my circle. Sometimes one of my friends comes to me and tell me about this other friend that I should go talk to her because she's having some problems out of nothing. This is how they perceive me now. And I'm like, sure, I mean, I can talk to her. But yeah, I mean, I it's definitely with what I do, and since I do it on a constant basis, it's not even that I have to seek it so much. It even comes to me. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, you're kind of a, a role model now, and the universe has figured that out, and it's <laughs> attracting people to towards you. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So how do you go about working with these different cases of people? So I would say a couple criticisms of your philosophy are, 
yeah, that works for Sylvia, but how can I become optimistic enough in the first place to face my pain? Do I really have the strength to face my pain when my pain has made me so weak? How do you respond to someone like that? I did not have the situation like that. More of what I deal with since I talk about pain is judgment in a way that why you talk about something so negative. That was okay. the reaction to what I do. And I mean, you cannot really, you, you can explain to people why you do what you do, because there is no happiness if you deny your feelings and you always brush it off and you don't do anything about it and you just are angry and, and fed up inside. But yeah, that's that was the thing I kind of experienced when I even started to question at the beginning. It was it was like a two year two years ago when that happened to me. When I literally started to question whether this subject is something what can help people, you know? But then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna stick with it. I just felt that it was the right thing to do because not a lot of people talk about it. And I love inspirational blogs and I love everything about happiness and joy. But like one thing which just doesn't fit with me is that one gap which is those struggles we all deal with and whoever denies it it's bs i don't believe that everyone has them so i'm like i just cannot avoid the gap and just go like here's how to be happy you know and i'm like and like do this and do that and do this but everyone deals with the things inside and i think that if we don't talk about it people live really in their mind with like okay no one is experiencing this it's just me i'm weird let's shut it down i'm good you know let's just focus on the happiness so when you open up like i've noticed so many times then over the years when i was doing it so many people came to me and said you know what i feel this way too or even when i apply for a podcast and i usually give like two or three topics do you know which one people choose the most the pain topic all the time because i think a lot of people are like yes i want to talk about this because Maybe not a lot of people want to talk about this. I'm not sure. But it's something what people need to hear because too many people struggle and are quiet and, and close themselves and live in their little bubble, which eventually transform into depression and even the worst things. So that's why I was like, you know what? Maybe for someone is negative, you know, everyone has their opinion, but I will keep do what I do. Yeah. So what are some of the exercises you'd recommend people to do to confront their pain and start to to work with it and look at it and use it, accept it? I actually developed a little worksheet, which is actually available on my website. It's totally free. And it consists of four questions, which we actually talk about on this podcast with you. And the first question is about identifying what I feel. Then it's asking myself, why do I feel this way? The third most important question, I think, is what's in it for me? That's the third question. And the last question, after you know what you feel and why you feel it, and you found at least one benefit in that situation, then the last question is, what is the next step? Like, what I'm going to do now? Like, whatever the first thing is on the list, after you know, I understand what I feel, why do I feel it? And I see at least one benefit. What is the next step? That's really what I use for myself. And since the work, I decided to put it as a free worksheet. I call it the challenge pro worksheet, <laughs> like <laughs> challenge for pros or something, you know, and yeah, cool. so that's, that's something what I do. Mm -hmm. So I think that the last two steps are, are a little bit hard, I think would maybe be a little bit hard for me to do. So how do you how do you start to think what's in it for me? Do you brainstorm 
ways? Do you like really search within your heart? Is it more of like a meditative way to answer that? How do you begin to answer that question? What's in it for me? I brainstorm it. I literally sit down and if, if it's something which like I'm in the pain right now, like it's a current situation, it's not something from the past, which I'm like, okay, I need to resolve this because it's, it's a burden on my heart, something which is here right now. And I actually feel the pain. Because I think that's the hard part. Because you pissed. You are like, I don't want to see benefits. I want to just get out of it and everyone leave me alone, you know? So sometimes you have to ask this question yourself like five to ten times. It definitely happens. So whoever does that exercise, if you don't come up with the answer for the first time, it's all right. You're human, you know, and you have emotions. So it's understandable. I also recommend people to, if you really can see a benefit at this very moment, then either, you know, Go out, take a walk, meditate if this is something you do, you know, or socialize with people for a little bit to kind of like clear your mind Mm -hmm. to come up with the answer. But what I do is brainstorming. Like I literally sit here and I ask myself sometimes how this can benefit me in the future. Like, let's say when in the past I was in a toxic relationship and I was, you know, in the problems and, and I was heartbroken and in pain and I was just thinking, how is this benefiting me right now? Like, what is the benefit behind this? And, you know, sooner or later, you find the answer. It's either you, you, you learn more about yourself or your self-respect goes higher or you raise your standards because you don't let people treat you a certain way because after this experience, which was so painful. So there is, yeah. For me, it's definitely brainstorming. I cannot meditate on this. I'm like, I need to get an, an answer like now. <laughs> right. Yeah. When, and then the fourth part though, what is the next step? Does that question come from your head or your heart or some combination of both? I think that depends because I think that it's always better to use heart. But if you're dealing with something really bad, like a betrayal, let's say, at that point, you probably want to use a little bit of head because... You know, being a good person or being kind and generous doesn't mean that you let people take advantage of you and that makes you a good person. So mm-hmm. this is just a random example where you kind of separate whether you use heart or you use your brain kind of to think about it and to give it more logical meaning like I want to think like this or I'm going to think with my heart. So I guess it really it really matters based on the situation. Yeah, cool. Heart in this case would be to forgive. Let's say you've been holding grudges towards someone who hurt you for a very long time. And now comes this time and you are like, okay, what is the next step? After all that, you are like, I got to forgive. I got to let it go. So definitely you want to use heart in that case. Yeah. No brain. So Tony Robbins also talks about the power of decisions and how within a single second, single moment, your life can change by the decision you make. Yeah. And then you also just mentioned forgiveness. As much as you like, would you mind uh, telling a a short story about how forgiveness really transformed you and brought you into a greater sense of purpose or how someone else has a story of that? You know what? For me, forgiveness, and I have not been talking about this for a long time. uh, For me, a biggest forgiveness, which I think it's still a process, but I work on it, is to forgive my father. That's the biggest thing. My experience of forgiveness is that I was holding grudges. And that's why I gave this example, because it just came to my mind and it's so perfect. Where I was holding grudges for many, many, many years because of all the memories I have from my childhood when he was living with us. So that was, for me, the hardest thing to forgive. But 14 years later, when I found myself denying my vulnerability, it was around the same time. When I found myself denying my vulnerability and always playing it tough, I knew that he is part of it. 
like what I've experienced because of him is a part of it. And for me to fully embrace my transformation where I'm like, okay, I'm vulnerable. I have to forgive. People sometimes are like, it's not easy for me to forgive. There is something wrong with me. I really don't think so. There is because some things just take time, especially with forgiveness. It depends what happens, but I think it's the journey. As long as you are conscious of it, that, okay, this is something I wor- I need to work on because I need to forgive this person. Otherwise, I'm going to hold grudges and I'm going to hold anger and it's going to kill me inside. I think that everyone has their time. But yeah, forgiveness is the big, big, big thing. Yeah, especially as like a gateway out of your pain, I feel like. Right. That's the ultimate release of it. Yeah, what does forgiveness mean to you? Forgiveness, a lot of strength to do it. I think that, I don't know, just to forgive in my case, it's probably the biggest success because I have not been a very forgiving person. I have Mm. not. I'm like, you did this, you're done, goodbye, close the door. Let's keep on moving, you know? So, and it's not about that you don't close the door. That's fine. But it's just like letting it go within you. And uh, seeing the benefits of my pain probably helped me in forgiving. Because the moment you find the benefit in whatever happened to you in the past, and if someone else contributes to their pain of yours, it kind of, it's easier to forgive because you're like, even when you caused me pain, you also brought me so much strength and Mm. immunity to whatever is coming. Yeah. So it's interesting that you are from, uh, what country did you say you're from? Slovakia. Slovakia. Okay. So you're from Slovakia and you come from a family where it seems like there's a lot of, um, not so much forgiveness going on there. And it seems like in Slovakia too, the culture is more, um, be tough, move through it. How do you remove yourself from culture in that way? Like whether it's your family culture or your community culture or your country culture, so that you can come into your own personal sense of well-being and forgiveness of others? I think I was just growing up in the different times. I think that personal development now, it's more common. It's, you know, more accessible. Like before, you know, with the fact that I am from a small country where I think people aren't that open-minded. So, you know, it's it's certainly different here. You have so many different cultures, even in the United States. So many different thinking, like... Just for the few years, I've learned so much about other cultures and how people think, which I would not be able to do in my country because we kind of have just like one breed, just like Slovak people. That's it. Pretty much. (laughs) Maybe here and there's some different, some different culture, but that's, that's pretty much all. So I don't think so. It was, well, necessarily the family. The thing is, there was just way too many problems in my family. I think I don't even know how to really identify them as the people when I take them and I look at them. Because with all that together as a whole, those struggles and financial problems, and then there's alcohol in it, it's it's kind of hard to judge it how they are when they are just completely different people because of the circumstances, you know? So how has forgiveness changed your relationship with your family? With my mom, I'm good. We had some differences when I was younger and I was I was a teenager and I was like a very rebellious. So that was bad. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> glad she forgave me. <laughs> because if I have a kid like me, I probably just pack my back and go because it was really difficult. So that was her. And for me to forgive, I mean, I'm I'm in the process of forgiving my father, but we are not in touch currently. So I guess that's a next step. It just the time helped the most, to be honest with you. When I look back, like maybe 10 years ago or seven years ago, when my family had much more problems and it was very complicated, 
it kind of just settled down with the time where everyone understood that we all have our share of responsibility on the problems we've experienced. Every one of us. It doesn't matter that I was a kid. I still have my share of responsibilities. So I think that it kind of settled down and everyone forgave to each other based on the fact that we just know that we all messed up and we all did good at the same time. Yeah. Thank you for all that vulnerability. That's <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's got to be hard to do. Ah, a little bit. Thanks for the challenge, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of some of the risks you had to take, some of these leaps of courage that you had to go through to be able to find this place of inner happiness and pain and moving beyond your pain. So what risks have you had to take to come into a greater sense of purpose? Obviously, moving to the U.S. might be a risk. You know what? No, probably the biggest risk for me was when I admitted that I'm vulnerable. That was probably, for me, the biggest risk, which I felt I'm in a risk because as long as I was playing it tough and I was brushing it off, it didn't feel that risky. It was easy. You know, it was playing was easy. But once I told myself that I have to kind of like come out, I wasn't really coming out in front of anyone. There wasn't anyone who's like, you have to do this. It was just me. And the moment I decided that, you know what, I come out and I share my story in the most, like in the rawest way I can possibly do, I guess that was the biggest risk to actually show my feelings. That's something what scares me still. <laughs> so I know I have to fight it. <laughs> you said fight it. How do you recommend people fight something that scares them? How do you face something that scares you? Do you mean to feelings when it comes to your feelings or like in general when something is scary? Uh, it just kind of popped in my mind with your example about how you're scared to be vulnerable, yet you continue to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Say someone is scared to talk to someone, um, but they need to talk to them. They're scared to make a hard decision, but they need to make the hard decision. How do you go about facing a fear um, and moving beyond that? Fear in general, for me, I use this technique, which I call I scare a fear with a fear in a way that uh, like, let's say I was coming to here and to the United States. And a few months before I was supposed to come here, I really didn't want it to. I was really scared. I was going alone. I had just a few hundred dollars in my pocket. I didn't know anyone. I went to a complete strangers, which eventually transformed into like, in, into like the best people. But at the beginning, I didn't know that. So I was really scared. But how I dealt with it was I asked myself or I told myself, you either take a step, which scares you right now, and you move beyond that, or you are risking living your life in a financial struggle and in the problems probably forever. That vision of my future, how it can look if I don't take a step, scared me to the point where my current fear of not taking a step became smaller, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's okay. really... <laughs> so is that your initial tough decision was that? was to decide I'm committing to moving to the U.S. alone, even though I don't know how it's going to work. I can't keep doing what I've been doing. Yeah, there was one. And then also when I was moving to Florida, there was again, like, you're just going, because I was in New Jersey the first year, then I moved down to Florida. So there was also kind of, it was exciting, but scaring at the same time, which I think is everything when it's new. Or like when you went to Thailand, I believe there must have been something scary, like, Yes. You know, I don't know if you knew people there or, or how that ac exactly happened, but I believe it's scary to, to travel so far and different culture. Yeah, I guess for me, I didn't know anyone here and I was moving to a 
a rule more rule setting and so there was no other english really there also and that was a big fear it was like how can i communicate to people but i i had a trust that that there's universal ways of communicating that are not just with words that's like with the feeling you portray through your eyes or your body language or just the actions and you you can kind of get a sense of people's heart and how compassionate and caring they may be and i think a big part of it is trust you have to trust yourself I guess that goes along with vulnerability. You put yourself in vulnerable positions, but then you trust others. And then you trust that you know what to do when things kind of go off kilter a little bit. And ultimately, those were exercises that I wanted to work on because I think that those are really powerful tools for personal development. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. You have a lot of courage. Of course, when you went to Thailand without knowing anyone, definitely. That's that's a scary place. Yeah, I hope other people can can make jumps like that because I really think that that was one of the key decisions in my life. I'm 26 right now mm-hmm. and uh making that decision at 23 to do that was um yeah, very it grew me up a lot. Um, exactly. And I think improved a lot of my relationships and helped me to communicate more directly. One thing I noticed is that we had both started a blog. I started my blog when I came to Thailand. Really? I would say like vulnerability would be one of the descriptors of the blog. I was like doing like themes of what I had learned and sharing my personal experiences and learning certain themes. And so I was having to talk about a lot of the failures I'd been going through, a lot of the struggles I've had. Yeah, especially as a teacher, I was an English teacher in a room of of 5th and 6th grade students that don't really speak English and don't really care to learn English. And there's 40 of them and it's chaotic and I just have to talk about I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> That process of like writing it and sharing it with people It brought a lot of resources to my life and now I'm friends with the two state teachers of the year from the US that have helped me to become a teacher mm-hmm. and I've decided I'm ready for a masters of teaching and um we'll see where people of purpose goes but I I can definitely see something related to um teaching and personal empowerment. Oh that's amazing. That's really amazing. Wow. That must have been really challenging for you. Yeah, it was for sure in the beginning but it's been also super enriching and rewarding. Right. So. That really resonates when you say that you scare your fear with mm-hmm. a fear. I think we both match on that. Like we don't want to just stay content or stagnant with what we had before. That there's richer states to be in and you can get there if you just have some courage and vulnerability. What is the name of your blog? I just found your podcast. Uh it's studentoftheworldblog.wordpress.com. Oh. Okay, that's awesome. Student of the world? studentoftheworldblog.wordpress.com. Awesome. Yeah, I am really interested in vulnerability these days, so that's something I will definitely find useful. So yeah, I wanted to get at um some of your like next steps, some of your next goals. Uh, I just mentioned maybe some of my ideas for teaching. For you, what what do you think are some of your next goals or next steps, whether personally or professionally? Personal goals for me are definitely help my mom more and make for her possible to experience different life. Like right now in May she's coming to the United States. She, you know, she's almost 60. She she saw ocean once in her lifetime when she was 20. So I live from the beach like 10 minutes. So that's going to be a big thing for her and I always dream about this. I'm like the moment when I'm going to be able to buy flight ticket for my mom, that's it. So I did it and and she's coming. Um she, she never even saw a plane. So it's going to be really interesting for sure. Our main goal just make her life better. 
because of everything she's been through when it comes to my personal things. And when it comes to professional, well, I still, I work in a customer service from Monday to Friday, you know, typical nine to five job. That's what I have. So one of my goals, professional goals is to kind of not be in that job for too long. I'll probably put it this way and just focus on on what I do. I actually created a mastermind school of courage, which is starting in May. So this is something what I focus on where I just want to help people to practice their courage in the best possible way, whether it comes to authenticity or imperfections or vulnerability or, or facing your pains. So yeah, that's, that's my main focus. Very cool. Yeah, I want to unpack some of those things you just talked about. <laughs> so <laughs> also, I was just distracted because I'm looking at your video and I see this quote, don't limit your challenges, challenge your limits. <laughs> Where does that come from? I really, I really like that quote. <laughs> Here oh, yeah. Yeah, on my wall. Yes. Yeah, I created like a little motivational wall behind me. Because it's really like sometimes in the morning when I come here and I sit here because this is like my little office. I like to look at it sometimes. And it's a good background. Yeah, but don't limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. For sure. It's it's hard. I mean, whoever is listening, this is not easy. Sometimes I think people hear us, you know, and now you have a podcast and I'm sitting here and they think that we are like untouchable or unreachable. Like those guys got to figure it out. No, it's all a process. It's all a practice and you never stop. That's all what the, what this is. So I think nev- no one who ever listened to podcasts or le- read the blogs or follow someone should ever feel like this is so far away out of my reach. No, it's not. It's all about the practice. Yeah, I really feel like you, I'm guessing, have you had a, a big impact on your mom at this point? Does she follow your podcast, your your blogs, your progression? A huge impact, but the problem is she doesn't understand English. Oh, she wants to read my book, and I'm like, I have my book here for you, and you can have it, but you're not going to understand. But that's why I tell her, that's your challenge to learn English. So, yeah, so she like sometimes sits, and then she uses a Google translator, and then she tells me, it doesn't make sense what it says. And I'm like, yes, because Google Translator doesn't translate it exactly as what I say. And also, of course, I make some mistakes in English. So, yeah, but she's a big fan even when she doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now she's going to be flying to visit you and she's never even saw an airplane growing up. That's Never. She's really challenging her limits. You're putting her... Exactly. That's why I'm so excited because I'm like, this is going to be such a stretch for her beyond. I'm like so excited it's, it's great because I told her you either see me or you stay home. Like, what do you want to choose? You know? And like, I guess the love is just much more powerful than comfort at this point. Yeah. So what is one of the most beautiful things you experience serving your purpose? Maybe in the way it's affected another person or affected yourself? Yes. You know what? It's been great the way how I grew out of it, like from all this experience and from this life where you share what you learn, but definitely the most beautiful things is when I get a message on Facebook or when I get an email or when someone tells me you're doing so much because, you know, sometimes it just feels like you don't, or if you're not getting enough feedback, especially before now it's getting better. But when I was starting, there wasn't really any feedback and you kind of feel like you suck or maybe what you (laughs) do is not, it doesn't make sense. Does people, and you have no idea that in the background somewhere there is so many people who get so much value out of it. And then after some time, they kind of like start to come out 
And when they came to me and like the first time I heard that someone says, thank you, or just like leave me a comment on a Facebook under some quote, oh, what you do is so great. Thank you so much for sharing this. Like, that's probably the best part of what I do. Yeah. For hundred percent. That's awesome. I agree with that. Also, um, sometimes doing these digital things like a blog or a podcast, you just press send and I, like, for example, I'm in Thailand right now. I have no idea who's consuming this. I have some ideas. But yeah, it's really inspiring when you get that comment back from somebody that you knew or didn't know. And you hear that what you're putting out there is actually fruitful. It's it's multiplying and it's being you know, utilized in the world in a positive manner. And yeah, that's obviously really fulfilling. Yeah, a lot, and sometimes there's a lot of people, as I said in the background, you have no idea that they exist and they follow you and they listen to what you do. And I found this since it's a challenge, I guess, at the beginning to cut through the noise. It's all about consistency and just doing it and doing it and doing it and putting the message across and putting it across. And that's how you also become better in maybe converting the message to whoever needs to really understand. So what inspired you to begin to write about your story? Did you have these visions of impacting people at a grand scale or was it for yourself to to have reflection? What inspired you to write about your story? When I was in my biggest struggles a few years ago, it helped me a lot when I was reading like biographies of people. Like there was for me a big thing because it kind of let me know that, you know what, they've been worse off than you. They've been going through a same or similar things or even much worse, which you have no idea about. And it was helping me. It was really inspiring. So I said to myself, you know what, maybe if I share my story, I can inspire someone else because someone else will find themselves in that story and they're gonna be like me too you know like I feel the same way I am not a weirdo someone else feels the same way (laughs) so that was one thing and then the second thing was like I just feel that there's so many stories which needs to be said and sometimes people hold back because living we live a lot in a society where let's just not be too emotional you know let's not make anyone uncomfortable so people kind of like shut up and I think that the more people like there's just so many inspiring stories In the moment when you tell your stories, so many people come back and they just say, me too. Like, that's the power that we all feel like just, you know, we try to play it and we kind of like, let's say you're in the room with 20 people and everyone tries to play it and be like, cool. And, you know, we all got it. And then one person becomes weird or say something or is very honest. And suddenly the rest of them feels like, hey, I can be like that too. You know, the first got like a permission or something. Yeah. When I share my story, I just know that people either find themselves in it, not all of them, but some of them. And I know that it kind of gives them the permission to tell their story too, or not to feel shame for it or feel weird, or this is not normal. I am from not normal family or I'm bullied. I am a not normal kid. I think it let them know that they are not alone. And now you've transformed your story and your journey into a mastermind and a a bit of a business. Yes. So how did that transformation begin to take shape? And what is it that, what is the school of courage? I started to work around that word of courage three years ago when I created my blog, Courage Within You. And then also when I wrote a book last year, which had this, which actually carries the same name, Courage Within You. But I felt that something was missing. So when I went through my, what I call emotional awakening about vulnerability and all that, and all those things last year, I decided to create this mastermind because I want to create a place where literally it's just going to be raw. Like we'll, we get emotionally naked, like there are imperfections flying everywhere. You know, it's completely all right. You can be weird. And you know what? 
like where people feel comfortable to open up. And that's, and I get it. That's really hard, but that's really my goal with this mastermind to create a community of people where they come and they just don't feel they have to pretend or they don't feel they have to hold a certain things, you know, they can just like let it out or just speak it out. And where we all kind of, you know, help each other in a way that like, okay, like what is the next step or what you can do about it? Like these things were bothering you for 10 years. What can you do about it now? You know? So, and I think that for being authentic and sometimes really going against the crowd or being okay, that you're not perfect, that you have, you don't have a perfect body. You don't have a perfect job. You don't have a perfect kids or like actually facing your pains. I just found one thing in common and that was the courage to that or vulnerability, big thing. You know, like for me, you're such a courageous person that you like speak about vulnerability and all those things. And like not a lot of people do that. And that's really, really courageous. So that mastermind, what it represents, that's my goal (laughs) with it to accomplish for people. Yeah, I think I said beat perfectionism, embrace authenticity, face your fears and pains with courage and create the most fulfilling life possible. Yep. Cool. That's the goal. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And... How has starting the School of Courage um, helped you to come into more authentic personal purpose? It pushes me to always kind of work around that concept because it's something that is still in the progress. Even when I launched it, it's not yet like open fully. So it always pushes me to work around the vulnerability, how I can improve it, how I can design exercise, which is going to be part of it, like a worksheet, how I can make it better and better, what I can add, how it can really go deep. Because I was living on a surface for so long that now when I understand how much is in breaking into the deeper level in yourself, into the deeper, the darker spot, which we sometimes don't want to feel, this is something what I'm kind of obsessed about. And I want just people to understand that look deep inside and face whatever. It's a little bit scary. Like, it's okay. Like, I want to challenge people with that a little bit. Yeah. And so can you maybe list uh, three or four different ways? You said your worksheet was one way people can begin to challenge themselves. Um, I know you talked about going on a walk, sharing it with vulnerability. What are a couple of other ways um, in which people can begin to, to unlock those deeper levels within? One of the things, well, it's something what helps me a lot go throughout the day or face which whatever fears I have. It's my morning routine, which takes literally 10 minutes because... I am one of those like busy people type of thing. Always just busy. So I'm like, okay, let me find something what works and what is not, you know, hour long. So what I do, I read about meditation so much. It was all around me and I was always kind of like, I don't do this. That's not me. So, but like half a year ago, I started to meditate. I'm like, okay, let me start with this thing. (laughs) Everyone is talking about this. It's so powerful. Let me do it. And really, I mean, meditation changed my life. And I'm still a beginner. I really think that I'm so at the beginning because I meditate like five to seven minutes. I just really kind of like stay quiet with myself. All I do is focus on my breathing. You know, I'm really like the basic. But even that is helping me tremendously in about like just telling myself relax and focusing on this one thing. This is really, it's just, it quiets my mind and whatever I fear. Or whatever I have a stress because sometimes I wake up, I open my eyes and it's just, and it's just there. I have to do this, this, this. And then I'm like, you know what? Just stop. Go ahead. The first thing you do is to meditate and then I go do what I need to do. So that's one of the things which is helping me in dealing with any difficulties, whether it is fear, 
let's say, or any type of stress. And then there is gratitude. Because even when I feel down and I am like, I don't have this, I don't have that, I still kind of slip sometimes into this thinking when I'm just being negative. Gratitude helps me a lot because it always tells me it just can be worse. Or some people have, have, have it worse than you, so just be grateful. And that's another thing, which is part of my morning routine, where I say at least three things I'm grateful for. But I really kind of spend time with that. It's not just like, okay, so it's this and this and this. Okay, I count it. Okay, let's go. It's something what I really like feel. Like one of the things I almost say every morning is my mom is coming. <laughs> Like I just sit down like my mom is coming in May. I'm grateful for that. And I just like visualize things like when we go to the beach, when I take her to the beach after 40 years when she hasn't seen it or things like that, where I actually feel the gratitude. Because when you feel grateful, there is no space for anger. There is no space for sadness or even focusing on the things we don't have. All you focus on is all those things you have. So those two things, meditation and a gratitude is part of my morning routine. And that totally transformed my life because there were so many people always talking about meditation, morning routines. I'm like, oh, I, I'm good. I got this. I don't really need that. Then when you try it out after like a week, you're like, how could I ever live without it? So yeah, that's powerful too. Oh, yes. I agree wholeheartedly with that. <laughs> Very cool. You meditate? Yeah, definitely. I actually just got back from a 10-day silent meditation here in Thailand. Wow. Uh, called Vipassana meditation and it's pretty much mindfulness so you're sitting for usually an hour hour and a half at a time and you're first observing your breath only and then you start to observe sensations around your breath area so like your nose and your mustache and your lips and then after you have your focus sharpened then you begin to examine different parts of your body the goal is to not cling to positive pleasurable feelings and to not try to push away or have aversion towards negative, painful feelings, to just be able to recognize them, sit with them, feel them kind of dissolve, recognize their impermanence, and then move your attention to a new place. And that all those things are amazing metaphors for how you can go about your life decision-making and your perceptions of events. And yeah, I definitely feel really empowered when I'm meditating. I really know like what my inner mind and inner heart are feeling and thinking and all that noise is cut out to where I can go to deeper levels of you know, of my sensations and I think it's super important. So I decided to go for a full on like event 10 days because yeah, I have had a morning routine for three, two or three years now where I do about 10 minutes every morning of meditation. Um, and then I do a nighttime one of gratitude um, where I think of three three amazing things that happened in my day that I'm really grateful for. And I use this app um, that I had recommended to me called the Five Minute Journal. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. It asks you like amazing things that happened to you and some of the, maybe how you could have made your day a little bit better. Um, and then I think about some of the things I learned from my day. Um, I take it as far as I want to take it, but it's a really good mental exercise to go through. So you can go to bed with your head clear and wake up with a head clearing exercise. And then I like what you said about uh, visualizing. I definitely do that. After I meditate, I do something related to um, like loving kindness, like really feeling the the immense power you have within your heart, your emotional capacity to like love. And then you you spread that to others and then you visualize how how these positive, loving, you know, compassionate feelings are going to manifest themselves throughout your day um, with some of the goals that you've created for yourself. So you live more intentionally. And that's, I think intentionality has been a major word for me ever since starting my podcast. I think 
that's at the core of, of so many of the decisions you make is what's the intention. Don't just be automatic. Have a, a sense of intention from knowing yourself, knowing what that authentic thing is that you want to put out into the world and then follow through with that. And yeah, it helps you be more productive, get more things done, feel calmer as you do it, have more quiet headspace. And it's, it's a continuing practice. I'm not really that amazing at it yet, but I'm getting better and better and better with practice. So definitely to piggyback you, I really think that that morning routine, creating a sense of ritual every day, and not just cleaning your teeth, like from brushing your teeth or washing your face, it's cleaning your mind also, is really important. Start to take the next steps in purpose. And it's really cool that I continue to meet guests, you included, that, that do have a, a sense of um, routine or intentionality to how they wake up and how they go to bed and how they navigate their day. I think that that sets people apart. Yeah, it's not surprising that you've become a leader in teaching how people how to be courageous. And I'm also amazed with uh, your level of expression. You say it so eloquently, and it's not even your first language or your um, first culture that you're interacting in. Um, and I think that's amazing. It's really, really inspiring. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I've, English was a huge, huge challenge for me. I sucked at school so bad when I was in my country. I was always the one who doesn't know what to say. So when I came here, I said to myself, I cannot meet with anyone speaking my language. I don't want to socialize with those groups. I have to learn this English because I'm really not good at it. So, yeah, but it's just a lot of practice. It's like in everything. It's a practice, reading, watching videos, movies, anything what I can in this language so I get better since it's not my first language. But thank you so much. That's very that's very encouraging what you told me. Yeah, you're welcome. So any final thoughts or final words you have to share with people listening? This is your, your platform to share your message. If anyone wants to find me, it's just on my personal website. I guess that's the best way to get in contact with me, which is silviaturon.com, S-I-L-V-I-A. T-U-R-O-N.com. And even when they want to connect with me on the social media, everything is right there. So I'm not going to be, you know, spelling it out here. You, They can find everything there, whether Facebook or, or Instagram or even my YouTube videos. There is my blog. There is pretty much everything. So they can definitely, that's pretty much the best place where they can find me. Cool. I'll definitely do my part to direct people into that because thank you. I've been researching you the past couple of days to prepare for this interview. And <laughs> I really think a lot of what you have there is really powerful. So thanks. And uh, I was actually surprised to hear that you have a nine to five job because it's really um, well prepared. Like you're, it looks very professional and it really seems like you you have a thriving business and to be able to also have another job on top of that with that's amazing. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for being on the podcast. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. If you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast, bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, Hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. 
It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sales and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 